This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It's Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. Oh, hope your week's going well. Um, If I seem a little tired this morning, it's because I'm a little bit tired this morning. (laughs) We've had family in from out of town, and they are leaving this morning. And uh, so we were all up late last night. Um, had dinner, had my daughter and granddaughter was there. My, my son-in-law was still at work, but, uh, had my nephew's wives there, um, because my nephews were all playing golf, (laughs) had my youngest, uh, Montana nephew. Um, we've got, I've got more nephews on the East coast, but they were not here, but, uh, the Montana nephew's wives were there. And the youngest Montana nephew's affianced was there. And we also had the, the, uh, let's see, the mother of Trent's fiance was there. And the mother of Aaron's wife was there. And the mother and father of Kyle's wife was there. And, uh, plus my my sisters and my brother-in-laws and my daughter and my granddaughter. And we just, we were late getting home last night. And of course, when we got home, the house had been closed up all day. It was hot. So we, I didn't close my curtain. You can see the dirty towel that I have hanging to shade the room above the air conditioner back there. Ah, well, I probably shouldn't have said anything. I just drew attention to it. Now you can't help but notice. Yeah. I used the uh, towel as a blackout curtain um, on the section of the window above the air conditioning because that's where the late afternoon sun comes in. And that's the hottest part of the day. And when you're trying to keep a room cool, yeah. So anyway, I did not, uh, I did not close my curtain this morning. Normally I just keep it closed, but with the air conditioner, I've been opening it and closing it and opening it and closing it. And uh, so I did not did not close that this morning. I apologize. So anyway, was up late last night, got home late. Uh, the house was still hot. So we had to open up the windows, turn the fans on, cool the house. It finally cooled off last night. Well, actually yesterday was much cooler. We had had three or four days in the triple digits. Yesterday's high was like 83. Uh, it was gorgeous. We all sat outside and ate burgers last night and it was just you know, just a little bit of a breeze and, and there was some cloud cover. So we weren't baking in the sun and it wasn't hot. And I'll tell you after three, four days of a hundred plus temperatures, low eighties feels quite comfortable. (laughs) It was nice. So, uh, but I, I'm still waking up this morning. Um, it, it was, a uh, a short night of sleep last night. So I'm, I'm tired this morning and I apologize, but, uh, we'll get there. I'm, I'm, I got coffee. Hmm. All right. This is squirrel chatter. (laughs) 
a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. on 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. You can check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. Um, and speaking of the Christian Podcast Community, I was the guest on this week's Quest for Truth podcast. Um, just kind of a wide-ranging discussion of American history and the Constitution and I haven't listened to the episode yet, so I don't know how they've edited it together. But during the interview, I know I felt like I I never really finished a subject. <laughs> we would talk a little bit about this, and I'd be I'd start to go off, and then Keith, the host, would ask me a question that would shift the topic. And uh, so it's uh, I, I have I want to listen to it um, and see how it turned out because it was a wide ranging discussion. Um, of American history, the Founding Fathers, um, the Constitution, American education. I mean, a lot of the stuff we talk about here, on, uh, especially on Monday Meanderings. So it was, it was a, good, uh, a good time. Um, but that episode dropped yesterday, I believe. Uh, it may have dropped Tuesday. Yesterday was busy. <laughs> yesterday was busy. Um, uh, we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. Yesterday was busy. Um, but, uh, so it may have dropped Tuesday, um, but the episode is up there at the Christian Podcast Community, christianpodcastcommunity.com. The podcast is Quest for Truth, and, uh, I am the guest on the latest episode, so check that out. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and we have our study Bible level Bible study. We are resuming in Deuteronomy 13, verse 6, and we will see how far we get. And I am going to have to pour another cup of coffee because it is that kind of morning. So you will now hear the squeak of the lid of my Yeti thermos. Yeti does not sponsor squirrel chatter, but they make excellent products. I've got a uh, Herb's House Coffee Yeti mug that is my go-to travel coffee mug. That that mug has been with me on road trips to California, to Arkansas. That that mug has gone everywhere I've driven since uh, uh, Kent Stainbeck gave it to me in 2018. <laughs> that that is that is just an awesome mug and. Uh, so I, uh, I commend Herb's House Coffee to you. If you are in the Dallas area and you need a cup of coffee, stop over at Herb's House. Um, it's very near Southern Methodist University and the uh, um, George W. Bush Library. So if you're in Texas and you're doing your, uh, doing your tourist thing and you get over to the George W. Bush Presidential Library at SMU, guess what? You're close to Herb's House. Stop and get a cup of coffee. Tell them Squirrel sent you. 
you won't get a discount, but tell them I sent you anyway. All right. Let us begin. Let us begin with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and apart from your grace there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you the quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now it's time for our daily readings from the life of Christ by John MacArthur. Our uh, devotional today is entitled, Jesus Clarifies Murder's Definition. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into fiery hell. Matthew 5, 21-22 Throughout history, most decent people rest assured that at least one sin they have not committed is murder. The conventional wisdom limits murder to physically taking another person's life. But Jesus' teaching on murder shatters the self-righteous complacency of so many good people. God's original command, you shall not commit murder, was of course scriptural, Exodus 20, verse 13. But the Jewish practice of taking murder cases to civil court fell well short of the biblical standard in three ways. One, it did not prescribe the death penalty, Genesis 9, 6. It did not take God's holy character into consideration, his role in meeting out judgment, the sinfulness of taking a life made in his image, or the general disobedience to the law. And it said nothing about the heart offense of the murderer. These omissions, ignore, these omissions ignored David's statement in Psalm 51.6, You, God, desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. With the transitional words, but I say to you, Jesus begins to point us to a scriptural understanding of murder and its implication. Murder goes much deeper than physically taking someone's life. It originates with evil thoughts in the heart and is still a serious sin whether or not it culminates in violent action against another person. Ask yourself, if Jesus is making this harder than before, then what's so freeing about being free from the law? Why is this more helpful than a black and white statute? Oh, interesting questions. That's worth some, some consideration. What makes this preferable to a black and white statute? All right. 
Now let's pray our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. We are resuming our study Bible level Bible study. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 13, and we are picking up in verse 6. Let me read verses 6 through 11. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entices you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known. Of the gods of the people who are around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, you shall not be willing to accept him or listen to him, and, you sh and your eyes shall not pity him, and you shall not spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first among him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. So you shall stone him to death, because he has sought to drive you from Yahweh your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Thus all Israel will hear and be afraid, and will never again do such an evil thing among you. So remember in the early part of the passage that we looked at yesterday, in, in the early part of the chapter, was the prohibition against listening to false prophets. Even if they do a mighty work or a miracle or give you some sort of sign, yet they try to get you to worship someone other than Yahweh, the creator of the universe, you were to put them to death. They were to be put to death. Now, if a dear family member or a close friend tries to lead you into the worship of someone other than God, they were to be put to death. Now, I just want to say flat out, <laughs> this was for Israel then. This is not for us now. We talked about that yesterday, though. The, the the who it's spoken to and the where and when it was spoken to does matter. We're not taking away from the law of God when we say that a command given to a specific people at a specific time is not always a command that's given to everyone everywhere for all time. This was a command given to the nation of Israel. Israel was a theocracy. Israel's king was God. And Israel's law was that you, only the worship of God was allowed in Israel. So it's a, it's a completely different, you know, it's completely different from the situation here and now. Now there are some theocracies in the world where the failure to worship their God is punishable by death, um, mostly Islamic. Uh, although I understand there's some, some rather uh, harsh Tibetan areas where if you're not 
you know, and and the Hindus in India will often put to put to death, uh, not officially, but usually in some sort of uh, um, you know violent uprising or something, will put to death worshippers of other gods, of which there are countless gods in India, and so you know we do have areas in the world where failing to worship the quote-unquote right God in their minds is punishable by death. But those are false gods. And, you know, so who's really subject to the the prohibition against worshiping false gods? It's them who are guilty of that. But we have people here who worship politics who were I mean think about well there's there there hasn't been a death penalty imposed at least not officially on those who are not quote unquote woke there's certainly been all sorts of uh, oh gosh uh, persecution and you know, we've had people thrown in jail for failure to be woke. We have had people killed in riots um, that were instigated by woke mobs. Um, it's just we've, we're seeing lawlessness in our land, and it, it has not been properly treated by the civil authorities, and it needs to be. But if a if your son if your brother, your mother's son that's your uncle, no if your brother your mother's son, that's not your father's son but um, we won't go there. Uh, if your brother your mother's son or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entices you to serve other gods. Your eyes shall not pity them. Your hand shall be the first to put them to death. Now let me explain how the death penalty was supposed to work under the Mosaic Law, which was the—I mean, basically the 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 these books from Genesis through Deuteronomy. This was the constitution of ancient Israel with the force and, and authority of, you know, like the Constitution of the United States has here, or should, but actually even a higher authority because it came from God. But he's saying, this is how you are to govern your land. And this is how the death penalty worked. The, the way death was administered was by stoning and... You know, basically, the crowd of people gather around the convicted criminal and throw rocks at them until they die. Um, that's the the basic um, how it works. Basically, I don't know why stoning. I, I don't know why that was what God prescribed. I, you know, but that was the method. But one of the reasons that I think that God prescribed that method was the execution would be carried out by the community. Not by an appointed executioner, but by the community itself. 
And the first to throw a stone was the accuser. So if, you know, just give you an example. You witness Bob kill Ralph. It's murder. It's not self-defense. You, and it takes two or three witnesses to convict someone. So there were a couple other people there. You all saw Bob kill Ralph. You go to the court. You testify, Bob killed Ralph. It was murder. Wasn't justified. Wasn't self-defense. Bob murdered Ralph. The court convicts him, finds Ralph guilty. The punishment is death by stoning. You and the other two who accused Bob of killing Ralph throw the first stones. It's a, you know... How sure are you of what you said? Are you willing to carry out the execution yourself? But notice what God says here. In this case of, of leading someone astray, he said, you shall not be willing to accept him or listen to him. And, you, know, you don't listen to him enticing you to, to follow other gods. But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. Your eye shall not pity him. Don't feel bad for him when he has to be put to death. He brought this upon himself by trying to entice you to follow other gods. So this was a this was a you know serious business. Now temptation of the false prophet who does the sign or wonder, that might have been a public thing. Yeah. But temptation made by a close relative or friend like this, this could be private, secret. You know? So this is, you know, serious stuff. Um, but the convicting witnesses would cast the first stone and it says, don't don't let your love for your friends or your family or anything like that take the place of your love for God. You know, Jesus himself said you're supposed to love love me more than you love your family members, mother or father, Luke 14, 26. What does it say? Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke 14. Verse 26 reads, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Our love and duty to God should surpass all human relationships. That's It's that serious. Now, we, we, we're seeing these, you know, death penalty cases starting to pop up here in the, in the law that, as we're going through Deuteronomy. And the MacArthur Study Bible had a, a chart of the things in the Scripture that required the death penalty. The first time we see the death penalty, well, obviously the first time we see the death penalty is in... Uh, Genesis 2, when God commands 
that no one should eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil lest they die. So that was the original death penalty. But we don't see God commanding the death penalty in human justice until Genesis 9, after the flood, where Noah is told that those who take the life of a human, you know, the, the, if a man takes, takes the life of a man, by man shall his life be taken. Um, Genesis 9, 6. Flip back and read that. Just to get the wording correctly, because my memory doesn't let me remember <laughs> things verbatim. Genesis 9, 6. I'll, I'll back up. Let me, let me go back to uh, um, Genesis 9, 5. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every living creature. I will require it, and from every man. From each man's brother I will require the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. So the murder of a human being, by man or beast, <laughs> is to be punishable by death. And elsewhere we see, you know, if, a, if your ox gores your neighbor and he dies, you're supposed to put the ox to death. Because God requires the lifeblood of a man from man or beast who takes the life of a man. So it's very serious. That was the first instance of the death penalty is for premeditated murder. But there's also the death penalty prescribed for kidnapping. Now this is the man stealing that we've talked about. This is actually what ended up this would probably be the best way to describe, <clears throat> excuse me, the best way to describe the uh, chattel slavery of the American South before the Civil War. Let me read this passage in Exodus 21 here and show you what it says. It says, New Bible, pages are sticking together. Exodus 21, verses 12 through 14. We read, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. If, however, a man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor so as to kill him by deceit, you shall take him even from my altar, that he may die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. So this is the man-stealing that is would describe the chattel slavery of the American South. The the original slaves, and by original I mean the ones that were imported directly from Africa, not their descendants who were also kept in slavery. Despicable, ugly, ugly system. But the original slaves 
the first generation slaves to come over on the boat. And I'm not saying the first boat. I'm saying the first, you know, if, if any, any slave imported directly from Africa. They had been captured by other tribes in Africa and then sold to Europeans for slavery. This is man stealing. These were not. These were not the. I think a couple of even last week, I talked about slavery in the Old Testament. In Israel, was normally a relative, and normally a relative who had gotten in. There is some provision for prisoners of war, and there's other other things, but for the mass majority of slaves in ancient Israel. They were relatives who had gotten into financial difficulties. So you made stupid choices and accrued more debt than you can pay for. Rich Uncle Bob pays your debt and you become his indentured servant for a period of time to work off the debt. It wasn't chattel slavery. It wasn't involuntary. The The fact of the matter is that you, you sold yourself into slavery. Now, it might be, you know, that the person you owe money to takes you to court. And the court says, yes, you owe the money. And they compel you to go to Rich Uncle Bob and ask Rich Uncle Bob to buy you. <laughs> so that you could become his indentured servant and your debt would be paid off. So it might be under compulsion, but it wouldn't be under compulsion of Uncle Bob. It would be under compulsion of the court because you are in debt. But the man-stealing slavery was punishable by death. It's a totally different system. So kidnapping, man-stealing, whether you, whether you kidnap him to sell him or whether you kidnap him to keep him. Um, ransom wasn't a thing. Not like, you know, it wasn't a kidnap for ransom, pay the ransom or release your, your uncle or whatever. That wasn't quite the deal. This would have been, you, you took somebody so you could have their labor, you know, as a slave. Um, or, you know, you kidnap a beautiful woman because you want to have her as a, you know, sex slaves. So you've got, you know, all the human trafficking stuff that, that everybody, that was, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But that was punishable by death. Magic and divination is punishable by death in Exodus twenty two eighteen. So fortune telling, um, this was, this was a, a punishable by death. Reason was it was a sign of distrust of God. Um, think about that if you're reading your horoscope in the newspaper every day. It's distrust of God. You don't trust the future to God's hands. You have to know. Because what if you don't like what God has planned? You know, guess what? If you don't like what God has planned, you need to submit yourself to God. Striking or cursing your parents was punishable by death. Uh, that's that's one of the ones that <laughs> my dad would throw at me every once in a while, rightfully so. Bestiality, punishable by death. 
This is sex with animals, punishable by death. Um, I understand Spain has actually made it legal now. Probably not the only country either, but it just... Uh. Sacrificing to false gods, punishable by death. Profaning the Sabbath. We talked about that back when we went through the Ten Commandments, back in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You know, that's that was punishable by death. Because that was breaking the, the covenant between Israel and God. The Sabbath keeping was the sign of the covenant. To violate the sign of the covenant was to say that you were not under the covenant. And so that was to be put to death. Offering human sacrifices was to be put to death. I mean, I think that we could all say it was, you know, this is a combination of two of them. You're not supposed to murder, and you're not supposed to sacrifice to false gods. And so combining those is really heinous. That was punishable by death. Adultery. You know, sleeping with somebody else's wife, sleeping with somebody else's husband, sleeping with somebody else while you're married. Punishable by death. Saves money on divorce lawyers. You know. Your wife cheats on you and she's put to death. You don't have to pay money on divorce lawyers and you don't have to pay alimony. Um, that was a joke. It's serious business, though. Incest was punishable by death. Homosexuality, punishable by death. Blasphemy. Punishable by death. False prophecy, which we looked at yesterday. Punishable by death. Also in Deuteronomy 18, there's an extended passage about false prophecy. Incorrigible rebelliousness. Um, it's in the context in, in Deuteronomy 17 and Deuteronomy 21 of children rebelling against their parents. But truly, it's rebelling against authority because there, I, I, there is not a rebellious child who is seriously rebellious against their parents who aren't also rebellious against the law and government and teachers and, you know, social mores. And if, if they have that kind of rebellious heart, it, this rejection of authority... And this was a, you know, it wasn't just one time of disobeying your parents. This was a continuous action. That that was corrupt, that was punishable by death. Fornication, sex before marriage, punishable by death. Think about that. Wouldn't that change society? Um, rape was punishable by death. I'm I'm in favor of that. I, I I have I have long thought that rape should be punishable by death. Um, just you know, don't even mess around with it. Somebody's convicted of rape, you take them out. And so you know, there was a whole list of things that were punishable by the death penalty. So you shall purge the evil from among you. We have gotten away in the Western world from punishing crime. And 
this was not, I mean, just, you know, let's see, you know, 80 years ago was the end of World War II, almost 80 years ago now. And when World War II ended, they had the Nuremberg Trials. The Nuremberg Trials were trials of many of the, the Nazi ringleaders, those who planned the Holocaust, even those who planned the, the war crimes, you know, just the, the you know, the, there was a belief that, that those who started an unjust war should be punished. And this whole idea of war crimes came out. And the Nuremberg trials were the allied nations, United States, Great Britain, Canada, Russia, trying the head Nazis. And there were similar trials in Japan as well. But they were tried, and those that were convicted were hung. Um, some of them managed to commit suicide before being hung, and there were some for whom a life sentence was given. And they remained in prison for many, many years. And there were probably there were probably lesser sentences. It's been a long time since I've really read about the Nuremberg trials, so I, I forget a lot of the details. But eighty years ago, Western society believed in the death penalty for crime, and, and it was ubiquitous. Nobody would argue for the death penalty for serious crimes, murders, kidnapping was one of the things that was punishable by death under American law until recently. Um, but so much of the Western world, Europe and the United States, under the influence of liberalism, which is not a good force, there has been a pullback from punishing crime so that many countries have abolished the death penalty and even what penalties they impose are less and less harsh. I, I think about the, the oh, what was the, the guy that, that shot up the youth camp in Scandinavia? I can't remember, it was Norway, Denmark, somewhere. There was a, it, it took place on an island and he went in and shot a bunch of kids. I'm remember, I'm forgetting all the details. But I do remember that he was given a prison sentence, and he's out. That, that was a death penalty case, folks. That was somewhere where somebody should have been put to death. And so when we think about this and, and understand that we've gotten softer on crime, that getting softer on crime is disobeying God. It is violating God's mandate for government, which is to punish those who do evil and protect those who do good. And so by failing to punish crime, the government is failing to protect those who do good. Like I mentioned yesterday that it's, you know, if I can walk down the street safely, it doesn't matter ultimately if, I mean, it matters ultimately for the souls of people and judgment day, but it doesn't matter as far as my safety on the street goes 
if I'm safe on the street because the, everybody in the city believes that assault and robbery is wrong and they won't do it, or I'm safe on the street because everybody in the city knows that assault and robbery will be harshly punished and it's not worth it, I'm safe on the street. That's the end result. So punishing crime is the prime duty of a government. That's why governments are instituted among men by God, to punish evildoers. That's what it says in Romans 13. Um, that's their job. And when a government is failing to do that, they're not doing their job. And the other job is national defense, which falls under the defense of those that are going good. Excuse me. So, you know, death penalties are very, very important. Oh, I think I'm going to stop there. We will pick up in verse 12 next week. I've got some stuff i got to do this morning, so I'm going to wrap this up a little bit early. I know it would be after 8.30 before I could get through the next paragraph. So we will leave that there. Let me remind you again that I am the guest on this week's Quest for Truth podcast. You can find that at the Christian Podcast Community. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.com. Check that out. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. O God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. 
All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday morning, the 26th day of July. I wish you the very best of days. You're halfway through the week by lunchtime, so enjoy that thought. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.